What's going on, everybody? Thank you so much for joining me here for this Wednesday edition of Fantasy MLB Today. My name is Joe Orico, and I am your host. You guys can hit me up over on Twitter at JoeOrico99. All of my fantasy baseball content comes out over there. These podcasts, my articles, different Twitter threads, everything is all in one place for you guys. So go check it out. Throw me a follow over on Twitter. We're going to be doing today what we usually do. We'll look back on some of yesterday's top performers. We'll comb through the waiver wire, see who's being added, who's being dropped, and what makes sense. And then we'll talk about a couple of pitching matchups that are taking place tonight. But first, we will start off the way we always do by looking back on yesterday's top performers. And our number one performer from yesterday was Joe Ryan, which was a really great sign to see after he's been a little bit shaky here down the stretch. But yesterday, it was seven shutout innings, nine strikeouts, and two walks against Kansas City. Now, there were some leagues where Joe Ryan might have been dropped over the last few weeks. Uh, It would have been maybe a little bit of an extreme move, but his last two starts, uh, four earned runs and five earned runs, and specifically that four earned run start against the Yankees. He walked four batters as well. Strikeouts have been pretty good for him recently, or really the whole season, the strikeouts have been pretty decent. Uh, he's thrown 129 innings, and he has 133 strikeouts. So anything over a strikeout per inning, usually I can refer to that as plus strikeouts. I don't know if other people use that term. Probably I heard it from somewhere else first. But if you're striking out more than a batter per inning, right there, that's going to be fantasy relevant. But Joe Ryan, you know, I mean, there's been ups and downs this season. It's currently sitting him at a 3.83 ERA, an 11-8 and record. He hasn't been as good as we maybe thought he was going to be at the beginning of the season. It looked like it was going to be a huge, huge breakout. Uh, he didn't give up any more than two earned runs through his first five starts of the year. It was it was looking like it was going to be a huge breakout for him. He's still been excellent. Obviously, not what you probably were hoping for, but right here, this is, I mean, making up for everything. These guys, I've said this about Bo Bichette, uh, I think last week, that the sins of the entire season can be forgiven uh, with these guys returning championship kind of value right here. And Joe Ryan, I mean, seven innings, nine strikeouts, and a victory, that goes a long way for you, whether it be your semifinals or your finals this week. Maybe there's some of you who have a quarterfinal, but I think we're pretty much semifinals and finals at this point. That is obviously fantastic. It's even better because this is a two-start week for Joe Ryan. The second start will be against the Guardians. I think that that one's probably not as great as this Kansas City one, but it still should be a must-start for Joe Ryan there. He's currently sitting at 80% rostered in Yahoo leagues. If you were able to get him before this week, maybe just you know one random league where he was dropped and you were able to get him for two starts here, you're probably very, very happy with yourself. This was a great job from him. And, you know, honestly, even with the ups and downs, I think we have to consider this entire season a big success for Joe Ryan. He's ranked just outside of the top 150 in Yahoo rankings. There's no doubt that he'll go much higher than that next season. I think we're probably going to be looking at a top one, you could argue a top 100 pick, I think, in a lot of formats. I think we're probably going to see him in that 120-ish kind of range, maybe maybe 130. Like I think he's definitely going to be higher than 160, and I think... Maybe some of the inconsistencies a little bit this year will drive people away, but I mean, if you if you were able to predict at the beginning of the season, you could draft a guy, a pick 120, who's going to give you a 380 ERA with, I mean, he's got 11 wins now, let's call it 13 wins and, you know, 150 odd strikeouts for the season. I think you're probably going to be taking that most of the time. Somebody that you're going to be able to hold the entire season from that draft slot, that's pretty solid. So long story short with Joe Ryan, I'm pretty happy with the production that we've got from him this season. I mean, the expectations weren't crazy high. They were, I think they were pretty high after that first month, but we have to take what we've gotten and be pretty happy with it, specifically now in this first week of the playoffs. Uh, well, not this first week necessarily, depending where you are. This kind of performance in the playoffs is obviously going to really go a long way in helping you to win your leagues. Another guy who has really done a great job of helping you to win your leagues 
is you Darvish. Uh, you Darvish, for me in particular, I have him in a lot of places, and I was kind of disappointed in myself after the first month or so of the season, but he has turned it around, and he's been one of the best pitchers in baseball over these last month or so. So yesterday, we got eight innings out of him, seven strikeouts, two hits against Seattle. I thought there was a chance that they might send him back out for the ninth, try and maybe go for a complete game there, but no need to push him. I understand that. He's just been so consistent this season. I'm trying to see the last time he didn't make it six innings in a start, and it was all the way back on May 13th when he went five and two-thirds. And before that, it was that horrible start against San Francisco, that second game of the year where he allowed nine earned runs. That's like it. That's it in terms of bad outings for him pretty much this season. He's always, even if he's given up four, three, four, five even runs, Still going six-plus innings, striking out 10 batters most of the time. That was my big concern with him earlier in the season, that the strikeouts were pretty much, maybe not gone, but from where he was, they'd fallen off, and they're still not quite where they were. Last season, it was 166 innings pitched for him. He struck out 199 batters. This season, he's pitched 176 innings. He's 175 strikeouts. He's right around that strikeout per inning range, which is still totally serviceable, specifically with the other value he's had, a 316 ERA, .95 whip. But he's always been a big strikeout pitcher, and I was kind of worried that we weren't going to see that anymore from you, Darvish. It would be a really a, a quick downhill drop from him, but it hasn't been. It really hasn't been. He's been excellent. He has been, over the last month, really, like, truly exceptional, a 223 ERA, a .72 whip. And like I said, like, every single timeout, we're getting six, seven, or eight innings with at least about six strikeouts. Absolutely ideal stuff out of you, Darvish. His next matchup should come next week against the Diamondbacks. Obviously, that's going to be a must-start game there. And that one, like, for sure, we're going to be, I mean, every week, it's kind of hard, right? Like, every week, there's different people at different stages. But for a lot of people, that will be your championship week. You get the first start. I haven't really looked ahead to next week too much. Um, but let's see. With the Diamondbacks. So that might be a two-start week for you, Darvish. I don't usually start looking ahead to those kind of things this far in advance. But let's take a look real quickly because I, I haven't done this, but it's a, it's a chance that he might have two starts. So... One, two, three, four. The fifth one would be, it might be Sunday. If he gets to go Sunday, maybe we're kind of hoping that he gets pushed back. I guess it really depends where you are. He's probably going to go Sunday, I'd say. If he doesn't and they end up pushing him back for whatever reason, then we might see like a Tuesday-Sunday doubleheader, or not a doubleheader, uh, a two-step next week against St. Louis and at Colorado. It's a little bit risky. I mean, he's been so fantastic. You figure maybe I would take that chance, even if it is against Colorado. But maybe you just want to take that safer start on the Sunday against Arizona. I think that's a it's a it's a close call for sure. I mean, if you get the two starts this week, then you'd probably just take those two starts. But like I said, everybody is in a different phase of their playoffs. There might be some people who are just starting the playoffs now and next week, you know, they're pretty certain of their team. They're not so worried about that. They don't need to have that kind of risky course start to go in with that. So they'll take the Arizona start. Some people would want to take the bulk and hope that he gets pushed back. I don't know because different sites have different things uh, in terms of who he's lined up to face. Yahoo says it will be against the Diamondbacks, but I'm looking at the score here, and I think they have it saying it's going to be Monday. I think it really depends on what the, what San Diego decides to do with their rotation. There's a good chance, I think, that they might try and push him back just to try and you know save him a little bit for the playoffs. I don't think that these teams knocking on the door are necessarily going to do so much. Milwaukee's the only one who has any kind of chance, and – they're kind of a toss-up team. I don't I don't know here. This is kind of a tricky one. I would say that he's probably going to go Sunday, 
but it's kind of a coin flip. And I honestly don't think it matters so much the way he's pitching. Uh, if you have a finals next week, maybe you want to have those two starts. But I, I don't think it's really going to make too, too much of a difference here. Either way, he's been fantastic. That ERA has a chance to finish under three for the year. He could probably do that. It's at 3.16. And the whip is at 0.95. So decent chance he'll be able to maintain that as well. Now, in terms of next season with you, Darvish, and where we would want to be drafting him, I don't think I'd want to be drafting him too, too high necessarily. I know he's been able to get by without the strikeouts so much this year. He's still striking guys out, but just not at the same pace. I don't know where I'm going to be drafting a guy who's currently 36. I just think it's probably not going to be the greatest trajectory from here on out. Now, still, 25% strikeout rate. That's really good for everybody, most people anyway. But for the career, it's closer to 30. So, I mean, will that continue to go down? Probably a little bit. The good thing is his walk rate's also at a career low. But I just think we're probably, after this year, going to have to start tapering our expectations down a little bit for you, Darvish. But we have spent a lot longer on him than I did anticipate one of my little tangents. So let's move on. Quickly, we'll talk about Aaron Judge because it's Aaron Judge. He's ridiculous. He's up to 57 home runs now, a 310 batting average. Uh, what else is crazy to rhyme off here? He's got 116 runs already, which is just like every stat with him is bonkers. You could just literally go through all of them and say like, this is crazy. This is crazy. This is crazy. They're all, they're all crazy. Uh, he has 116 runs scored in the American league. The next highest is 89 for Marcus Simeon, 27 runs worth of difference there. It's just absurd in RBIs. He leads by 14 in home runs. He leads by 22 and he's Probably not going to get the batting title, but just looking at it now, I haven't really heard this talked about, but that's a decent triple crown chance for Aaron Judge right now. He's nine points shy of Luis Arise for the batting average. If Arise goes 0 for 4 in a couple straight games and Judge, you know, does what Judge does, goes 2 for 3, 3 for 4, that kind of thing, we might see a triple crown from Aaron Judge. And I think at that point, man, I don't know. I go back and forth on this. We talk about it usually maybe once a week on the show and just kind of check in on where the betters sit, where the general baseball minds sit on Twitter. Most of the intelligent people I know in this industry, they still think it's Otani. I mean, most of the people in the industry in general, in baseball and fantasy and whatever, they're pretty much going with Otani here. I just think it's really a lot closer than we might break it down to. Just the fact that he pitches and he hits at an elite rate. Yes, I think it's obviously a compelling case for him every single year where he's able to do that. But this kind of production from Judge is really, truly uh, historic. So the betting the betting line, and obviously that's not to say Otani is not doing historic things, but I think Judge is probably going to break the American League home run record if he does that with a triple crown, especially the New York media. I mean, the LA media too, but it's more dominated by the Dodgers. I think it's, it's going to be really close. And if you look at the betting lines, I typically use Bet365. It's just a one of the more convenient ones here in Ontario because there's a lot of bullshit with signups and different sites and whatnot. But on Bet365, and I'm assuming it's fairly similar all over the place, Judge is minus 1,200 and Otani is plus 700. I do think it's a lot closer than that. It still seems to generally always be in this range. I just don't think the books are really properly looking at the way that people are thinking. Maybe they have some, I don't know, they've talked with writers, they know how people are going to vote, and that's what skews this kind of thing. I don't know. I, I really don't know exactly what causes um, these lines to be set this way because this is complete runaway territory. I just want to look at the Cy Young here. Cease minus 140, Verlander plus 110, and then it drops off quite a bit after that. That kind of makes more sense, but like I just don't think any of these betting lines really make a hell of a lot of sense. Rookie of the year, Julio Rodriguez is minus 2,500. I mean... 
yeah, he's probably going to win it, but I don't think it's completely crazy to say that it could be Adley or, you know, even Bobby Witt Jr. has kind of fallen off here, but I think we've kind of just disrespected what Bobby Witt's been doing because his defense is pretty shitty. Uh, he plays in a fairly small market there in Kansas City. But what Bobby Witt's done has been a top 50 fantasy season. Anyway, he's got 20 homers, 27 steals, a 250 batting average. I, I think what he's done is a lot closer to what Julio's done than really what we want to look at. And I, I worry a little bit that we might be overvaluing Julio and we might be kind of ruining the value that he does have to some degree. Like his numbers are really, really close to Bobby Witt Jr. Obviously, I don't have the metrics in front of me. Julio's a better defender. I don't know by what you could quantify it as. Different positions, obviously, but 76 runs. Uh, so Julio has 76 runs, and Bobby Witt has 72. 25 home runs for Julio, 20 to Bobby Witt. 72-71 for the RBIs in favor of Bobby. 27-24 in favor of Steels. And the batting average, Julio, that's the one where he actually separates a little bit here. He's up by like 28 points in the batting average area. Uh, Bobby Witt's had 25 more at bats. It's like they have the way, if you look at these betting lines, you think, oh, you know, Julio has been absolutely, absolutely dominated him. But their numbers are pretty, pretty freaking close. I mean, I know the defense is what's probably going to end up being the main factor here. I just, I worry that we, and I have, you know, this, I've gone off on a tangent here, and I apologize because it's just something that I, I end up doing. I, I end up doing, if you are new to the show, I don't think there's too many people, but I do sometimes just break off. This was the middle of our, you know, reviewing yesterday's top players, and this kind of spawned from an Aaron Judge conversation, so forgive me. I just think that we might be overvaluing what Julio does a little bit. Is he great? Yes. Is he going to be a, a superstar? He already is a superstar. But we're putting him so far ahead. I don't know if we're overvaluing him or undervaluing guys like Bobby Witt and Michael Harris. Because I think those guys, if they both outperformed Julio from a fantasy perspective next season, I would not be at all surprised. Specifically, Michael Harris. I would expect him to lead off next season. I don't know. I mean, I understand that there's a crowded top of the order there. They don't want to mess with it too much. There's no reason for that guy not to be batting one or two in that order. And that would just boost his value even higher and his value's already been top 50, like, total value over the course of, like, half a season, or maybe two-thirds of what they've played to this point. So I, I worry a little bit that we're not giving those guys their proper due in terms of how valuable they are, or maybe we're just going a little too crazy with Julio. He's probably going to win Rookie of the Year, and Judge is probably going to win the MVP. But I think these betting lines are a, a little insane, to be honest with you. And I think that the only way that they could be this skewed, and it still makes sense, is if these different gambling sites know things that the general public doesn't know about the way people are going to vote. And that's that's pretty much it, the way the people are going to vote. There's nothing else it really comes down to. I think that you probably have to stay away from these bets. If anything, Otani might be decent to put a few bucks on. I've talked about it. I've done it myself, personally. I have... 30, 40 bucks on Otani. Not, nothing crazy, but the odds are just so juicy. 700 plus 800. That's what they've been here for these last few weeks. I'm not the type, I'm not a hard, serious gambler. I am much more of a recreational gambler. But when you see those kind of odds and you do see the way that people talk, specifically online, on social media, even on, you know, sportscast talk shows, I think it's a lot closer than minus 1,200 to plus 700 would really indicate that it is. And with Rookie of the Year, I think it's something kind of similar. Julio probably has it locked up, but should he be favored this much? I don't think he probably should be, to be honest with you. He hasn't been as great in the second half. I, I'm I thinking it's... 
I don't know. I'm hoping that we're not overvaluing Julio is my main point here. I'm hoping that we don't, you know, pick him first overall next season and then he returns something that's kind of similar value, but maybe it's, you know, a 30, 40, 50th ranked player. Um, I don't I don't know that he's going to be a top five dude. And I might be completely wrong on that. I just, I worry with these guys when they first come up. And I think part of it, you know what I think it is? In the back of my head, I'm just realizing now it's Trevor Rogers. He did so well last year. He did so poorly this season. And now, I mean, he's picked it up these last few starts. But I just worry, you know, these guys have a really strong rookie year. We go and draft them very, very high. And I'm not talking about, like, you know, top 50, top 60. That's generally where I think we're going to see these guys like Richmond and Witt. Or Witt will go higher. But Richmond, Michael Harris, in that general range, 40 to 60 kind of thing. And then Julio's going to go top five, maybe number one, when he's providing the same value, essentially. I think it might be... I don't know. I think it's something we kind of have to look at here in the fantasy community and think, why why is he so much better than these other guys? And we'll go through that throughout the offseason, talking about where these guys are going to be ranked, what picks that we should you know select them on, or what where we should be selecting them, I should say. There's going to be a lot of, a lot of stuff like that during the offseason. But right now, I think that we might be just by a touch either overvaluing Julio or undervaluing these other guys. That's all I'm going to say here. Let's talk about Adolis Garcia, another guy who we kind of undervalued coming into the season as a whole. Everybody was kind of thinking last year was a one-off where he had 31 homers, 16 steals, 90 RBIs. He was really good. He was really excellent, and this year he's been even better. The batting average is 10 points higher. He's six home runs shy of what he did last year, but he's already surpassed it by eight steals and a couple RBIs and a couple of runs. I mean, I'm going to be buying in again next year to Adolis Garcia, I was a little more hesitant this season. I thought, you know, he'd probably be fine. I thought he might have been being overdrafted a little bit, but I wasn't sure exactly what we were going to get. The average was not that high. Just not really totally confident heading into this season. And I think the trajectory of Garcia kind of reminds me a little bit of Teoscar Hernandez because after his first really, really good season, I mean, I think it was 2019 where he had a pretty, pretty solid year. And then it was 2020 where he broke out and he won the Silver Slugger. And let me just see here. Yeah, 2019, he was good. Uh, Even 2018, he was pretty good. But that batting average really came around uh, in 2020. He batted 289, and it was a shortened season. We're kind of thinking, I'm not sure. 2021, he had 32 homers and 116 RBIs with a 296 batting average. And then we were kind of like, okay, we needed that second season of value to really kind of solidify it for us. And then, of course, this year, it's been a bit of a step backwards for Teo. Still 20 homers, 66 ribbies, uh, 260 batting average. It's still been fine. I just, I'm thinking that's probably something kind of similar to what we're going to see with Garcia, where the first couple of years are okay, and then there's like a really big blow-up year, and then maybe we'll start to see him slow down a little bit. The thing with him where he differentiates from Teo is that he steals a lot more bases. So even if he's not hitting home runs necessarily, he could still get you by just off the speed. And this year, we've seen them both in conjunction. We might see a 30-30 season from him if he has a hot week or two down the stretch. 25 homers, 24 steals. I say that I'm in on him, and I'm in on him to a certain extent for next season. Like right now, he's the 16th ranked player on Yahoo. Am I in on him at pick 16? No. There's no way I'd pick him quite that high. I'm just not so sold. Now, the Rangers will probably bring in some other pieces to go along with Seager and Semyon and Lau and and Garcia. I think that the Rangers see themselves as being in a a competitive window enough where they'll probably try and make one or two more moves. I just, 
I wouldn't pick him in the second round. And 16 here, I mean, just based on where he's ranked right now, that's like end of the first round in a 15-team, or you could argue. So I, don't, I wouldn't pick him there. But if he's going to be going around pick like 40 or 50, like we kind of know generally what he does now. He's a 20 to 25, maybe even a 30 possible home run guy who can drive in close to 100 runs, who can steal between 20 and 30 bases, and he's going to hit you somewhere in the 250 range. Like it, that seems to be what he is. In that range, I would draft him somewhere in the 40s or 50s probably. And I've seen some people that I respect quite highly talking about, uh, you know, we're, I'm not going to be in on him next year. I just, I don't, I don't buy the player profile. I don't think the power is legit. The lineup's not legit. The ballpark, there's a lot of different reasons that are thrown around for it. But once you see it a couple of years in a row here, I think you start to be like, okay, I'll, I'll bite. I wouldn't bite in the first or the second or probably not even the third round. And that might put you out on, on Adolis Garcia. I'm going to be in on him at price, which is probably the way I should have started this off. Not just saying I'm in on him. I mean, I'd be in on anybody at the right price. Uh, but it would probably take for me, Garcia, like somewhere post pick 40. And then I think you're, you're probably cooking with gas there. If you get him in the fourth round, maybe even, you know, late in the third round kind of thing, I think that he should be able to return that kind of value. Will he be the 16th overall player? It's possible he could just based on that power speed combo. And he's still driving in runs. He'll end up with over 100 RBIs, which is just excellent to go along with everything else. I just don't know about every single year uh, doing exactly this kind of thing, per se. It does make me a little bit nervous playing for Texas. I'd still be in at pick 40, roughly 45 in that kind of range. I know I've sometimes been repeating myself here these last week or so, just you know, in terms of even talking about a particular player, mentioned their name a few times, mentioned what I would be doing with them a few times. That was based on some feedback I saw, not directly to me, but just people talking on Twitter about what do you like when you're hearing a podcast? I think it was David Mendelson from Triple Play Fantasy who put this one out, and he said, what are your pet peeves? What do you like to hear in a podcast? Like, just lay it all on the line. What do you like to hear? And people, I mean, I don't really realize this so much because the way I listen to podcasts, I'm kind of obsessive about it. I'll try and make sure I hear, like, every detail the first time. But I know a lot of people listen while they're driving, while they're working out, uh, you know, just in the background at work kind of thing. So I've been trying to repeat myself a little bit more in the middle of these segments. Just, you know, I say... Paul Goldschmidt three times while I'm talking about him, and I say two or three times what generally kind of advice I'm going to be giving on him, just because I know that some of you guys might have your attention uh, varying between you know your work, kids, uh, workout machines, and different kind of things like that. So if anybody's wondering why is he saying things multiple times here, I got I heard it the first time. It's because some people just really don't focus so much when they're doing these podcasts or when they're listening to these podcasts, which is totally understandable. Podcasts are more meant to be a background thing. And I can be, I know I can be a little bit information heavy sometimes, which is why I try and mix it up um, with the names a few times anyway. Just try and say them out two, three, four times. And Paul Spore is, is fantastic with this. You always know who he's talking about. There's never any ambiguity about, is he talking about A, B, or C? Like, you know, because he repeats himself in that way. And that is really what you need to do. So I know a couple of you are probably just thinking, like, he just told us Adolis Garcia is going to be somewhere for him in the 40-50 range. Why did he need to say it three, four freaking times? Well, that's why. just wanted to give a little bit of background on it in case you guys think that I'm going a little senile or something. I'm not. I just want to try and make sure everybody's fully getting the information uh, that I'm trying to put out there. I do want to keep it going here and move on to our most added and dropped player segment. Now, there was an early game today. You guys, hopefully you were able to go and grab Nick Lodolo because he's been excellent here. Despite the fact that he's not going to be in line for the win here, I don't think they're down 4-2 to two at the moment. 
Uh, six and a third and 11 strikeouts so far for Nick Lodolo. On the other side, Ronzi Contreras, uh, he went four innings. He struck out three, and I believe he allowed one earned run. So I think it's a decent little trade-off, and I guess you could ask the question, would you rather have four innings of one run and three strikeout ball, or would you rather have six and a third of three earned runs and 11 strikeouts? Uh, I think I'm taking... I think I'm taking uh, Nick Lodolo there pretty much every time, but maybe you're in a very tight ERA race. That's what I love about fantasy, too, is there's so many different formats, so many different kinds of, you know, I need specifically, you know, a few points off my whip today. Everything else is pretty okay, or I need one win and eight strikeouts. Like, there's just so many different random outcomes. There's probably millions of different combinations. You could say I need two RBIs, one strikeout, and a steal, and 10 points of batting average. Like, I just love how there's so many different random things. So maybe those 11 strikeouts, as nice as they would be, they wouldn't have really helped you because those three-year runs, maybe you're in just in such a tight ERA race. That's what, I, that's what I love about it. But anyway, I've already been on enough tangents today. Let's keep it going and just talk about who are the most added and drop players, at least guys who have not been added already besides Lodolo and Contreras here. Those games have already started. But in terms of tonight... Our boy David Peterson is a surprise starter tonight against the Cubs. Now, yesterday, literally yesterday, or I guess this was late Monday they announced this, uh, that they were going to move him to the bullpen. They thought they were going to start Trevor Williams against the Cubs instead. So a few people, a lot of people started to drop David Peterson. He went down from about 36% to about 33%. Then we saw him move up a little bit again, and it's kind of been fluctuating ever since they now announced that he will be starting again tonight. They announced this late last night, 10.30 p.m. Eastern. He has not been great, to be honest with you. Like, David Peterson has not been fantastic. Three of his last four starts have been pretty poor. The strikeouts have been there in bunches, like seven, six, seven, six. Uh, even those seven strikeouts in three and, a, in three and two-thirds his last time out against Miami. I know it wasn't the greatest outing. Uh, he allowed, what was it, four runs or something like that? I think it was three runs. Yeah, three runs on five hits, a couple of walks. He did not cover himself in glory. Now, here, I, I held him in one or two leagues still because – I've just been a lot really busy these last few days, honestly, and in a couple of leagues, I was not able to drop him. I planned on dropping him, and now it's like, okay, I still have David Peterson here. I guess I'll start him. That's pretty much where I'm at in most leagues at this point. It's against the Cubs. I mean, we saw what DeGrom did yesterday against the Cubs. Obviously, we're talking about a very different dude, but someone's still capable of giving you double-digit strikeouts like Peterson is. That's pretty appealing uh, against a team like the Cubs. Only 33% rostered. I'd be probably prioritizing him over anybody else who's still going today. He's the guy that I would be most interested in. Now, there's times earlier this year I thought he was going to be a total stud, and I still think he can be a stud. I don't know that he's necessarily that good, but can he give you five innings with nine strikeouts and no earned runs? Absolutely. Like, we've seen these last couple times out. Can he also give you, you know, five innings with allowing four earned runs kind of thing? Yes. So it is a little bit of a risk, but that Cubs lineup is really, really, really piss poor. Uh, there's not so much to worry about there, really. So I think David Peterson is probably about the safest bet that you're going to have today. His counterpart will be Drew Smiley. I think that one's a little bit riskier. He's been pretty okay uh, over his last month or so. Uh, what is the ERA at? 3.25, a sub one whip. He's been fine for the season, a 3.57 ERA. But I think we're playing with fire a little bit against the Mets, so I'm probably leaving Drew Smiley on wires. If you need a backup plan for David Peterson, I think I'd go with Dane Dunning against Oakland. I know that his last couple starts have been a little bit iffy. Toronto and at Boston, that's you know not the easiest opponents. I know that Boston's kind of hit or miss, but they still have guys in their lineup who can really produce. And Dane Dunning, as up and down as he is, you just kind of have to play matchup games at this point of the season. And when you look at the other guys who are being added up, 
I think Kyle Gibson is a decent option as well against Miami. He's over 40% rostered, so he's going to be maybe a little bit harder to find. I think he's all right as well, but that's the, that's the main thing for me right here is just looking for those advantageous matchups. Uh, there's a couple other guys who are mostly already been added up. Uh, Edward Cabrera later on is already 63% rostered. I like him quite a bit, but it's going to be pretty hard to find him at 63%. Uh, Gibson is at 42 uh, Taylor Wells, or Tyler Wells, excuse me, against Washington, pretty nice matchup there as well, 13% rostered. So at this point of the year, now Wells is coming back off an injury. He's only thrown two innings since coming off the IL. He might be kind of a, an abbreviated four-inning kind of guy, but it's generally what I'm doing right here. You know, even if it's not the greatest pitcher, a lot of these matchups are really, really nice. Smiley against the Mets is probably a little too risky for me, but, you know, against Oakland, against Miami, against Washington, against teams like that, I'm not going to be as worried here. I think that for the most part, you're going to be okay with using these guys as streamers. Edward Cabrera at 63%. There might be some leagues where you can still pick him up, and he's definitely a priority if you can. Uh, but 63, it's probably in your, in your more competitive leagues, he's likely already been picked up. So there's not so much you can do there. Uh, our boy Elvis Andrews is continuing to be added more than 2,000 leagues today. He's up over 40% rostered. Yesterday, he was two for three. He scored a run. I'm really looking into adding Elvis Andrews now. They've said that Tim Anderson is going to start baseball activities. I want to get the exact phrasing here. Um, Tim Anderson ready for baseball activities, clear to resume baseball activities. So when will he be back? Um, it could happen on the team's next homestand, September 20th to 25th. So you can still get yourself a solid week of um, – Elvis Andrews leading off here for the White Sox and still providing pretty strong value. Will he keep hitting those home runs like he's been hitting? Probably not, but he can give you one or two here and there, one or two steals, decent counting stats, and right now a good average. So there's not so many hitter pickups I'm prioritizing today. I think Elvis Andrews, we've talked about him for the last few days. He's probably your dude. Uh, Jose Leclerc is probably the guy you're picking up right now if you need saves. He's got the last few opportunities for the Rangers. We've talked about him a couple times. I think that he'll get the next few saves, but if they were to pull him out of that closer role and switch him for somebody else, I wouldn't bat an eye. It's just kind of hard to predict over there in Texas what they're going to do. But for right now, if you're desperate for saves this week, probably a decent option with a couple games coming up here against uh, Oakland. So just something to keep in mind. On the drop side, we go Dean Kramer as the number one drop. He did a pretty good job yesterday against Washington. I mean, the only thing where you're kind of saying shit is he only struck out one batter. But he gave up three runs over five innings. He got the victory for you. Not the greatest stream, but pretty damn serviceable. He didn't blow up your ERA. He didn't do anything too poorly. I mean, obviously, one strikeout sucks, but wins are harder to come by than strikeouts. So you'll, you'll kind of take that at the same time. I understand dropping him. Uh, I don't think we're going to get another start from him this week. Yeah, it'll be Monday where he gets a start against the Tigers. So if you can hold on there, it's probably going to be a decent little outing. Uh, I'm not sure the venue for that one. Let's take a look where they're going to be playing. Um, let's see. We have the Tigers on Monday. We have at Baltimore. So either way, I guess we're looking at a pretty advantageous home park there. If you can still hold on to Kramer, I would be I'd be probably trying to. I mean, that's a really nice matchup. I don't think that he'll be the hottest commodity on the waiver wire. It might be somebody who picks him up depending on your league, how your league prioritizes pitching, how many slots there are. There's so many different variables. Maybe he gets picked up. Maybe he doesn't. He's a 30% rostered right now. You got, you guys have to make the final decision here based on your situation. If your roster construction will allow you to keep a guy like Kramer on the bench for five days, then God bless. But if not, 
maybe you have to move on and pick up one of these other guys we were talking about. Jose Suarez, he's the next guy who's been dropped. He did not have a great outing. It wasn't terrible. I gave up three runs over five and a third against Cleveland. He struck out only three batters. He wasn't great here. I mean, he'd had a really good stretch of games. And can he have a little bit of value? Sure. Next start comes up against the Rangers. Could be decent. I don't know that he's necessarily going to be really worth it. He's another guy where I think it's kind of similar to Kramer. If you can afford to hold on to him, then they're very similar roster percentage, 29 and 28. If you can afford it, if you have the luxury of keeping him and it won't really cost you much, then then go ahead. Because that next matchup against the Rangers is a pretty solid one. But again, if you need to move on, then he's not a must-roster player. So you're not going to get a hell of a lot of grief from me there. Hunter Brown, he had another good outing here. Six innings. He got the victory. Six strikeouts. Now, people are dropping him. He is in our drop segment today because almost 2,500 teams have dropped him. Whether it be A, because it's their championship week and... He's likely not starting again this week. I think his next start will probably come against Tampa Bay. Now, I had hoped I had hoped that they would get that uh, second start this week on Sunday, which will be against Oakland. But I think based on the schedule, they're going to go Framber Valdez for that one. And Justin Verlander is expected to be coming back soon. So maybe Hunter Brown does get moved into the rotation, or excuse me, moved into the bullpen. I think we probably still get one more start out of him before that does happen. I don't know. Not sure on the Verlander timeline, but I can't see them really rushing him back here unless he's desperately trying to get his Cy Young that he you know wants to throw one or two more games before the end of the regular season. But for a team that's so secured and making the playoffs at this point, I just I don't know. They said he could be back Friday. I I, I don't understand why they would want to push him. They should probably just conserve him, but. If they do bring him back, that'll probably mean Hunter Brown uh, does hit the chopping block. So we'll have to see what happens here. I'd probably try and hold on for now, honestly. Like he might get that. I, I think he will still get some starts here down the stretch. I don't think it makes that much sense to have him pitch an inning or two in relief here. I do think that he'll get a start next week. Whether it be against Tampa, which I think is probably what it's lining up to likely be early in the week against Tampa. Maybe they wait until later in the week against Baltimore. But he's done really a wonderful job in 12 innings both games he's got a victory 11 strikeouts uh, he's just been really fantastic I wouldn't be dropping him unless I don't know if there's a really nice uh, replacement that you can switch him out for then I'd be all right with it I think that he'll probably have a couple more starts down the stretch and we've talked about how starters on good teams give you that much more of a bumper and Hunter Brown, like every time he hits the bump, will have a chance to win games the same way that guys like Framber Valdez and McCullers and Verlander and everybody else does because that team is just so elite as a whole. They're like 92 and 50. You're sending a guy like Hunter Brown out there, you're going to get victories, which is why I kind of hesitate to want to drop him after two really good starts. They, he might just start the next game. It, it's kind of hard to say. Again, kind of similarly to the first two guys. If you really need the spot, then you can move on. And, you know, he's he should be kind of must roster, but... If, if you can't afford it, you can't afford it. I would try to, but if you can't, then you simply can't. Let's talk about Brandon Lau. He's back on the IL. This has been one of the most frustrating players. Definitely my most frustrating draft pick of the year. I think even more so than Walker Bueller. Oh, well, it's close. I mean, there's a couple of guys I had a couple of shares of. Him, Bueller, Mondesi, who have been kind of disasters. But Brandon Lau, like Jesus Murphy, man. You picked him expecting something close to last year, which was like combined for 196 runs in RBIs. 39 homers, 7 steals, a 247 batting average. He was fantastic. He was a top 50 player last season. 
this season. I know he's you know he's been hurt, but he's ranked outside of the top 1,000 over on Yahoo. 31 runs, eight homers, 25 ribbies, one stolen base, and a 2.21 batting average. It's his back that's been giving him trouble. He's had some triceps problems as well. It's just been a total disaster. If you're still holding on to him, which a lot of people still are, 60% rostered, 6-0, I would be definitely moving on from him. He has not had any value even when he's been in the lineup. They brought him back off the IL. He went over 13. Now he's back on. It's just It's been a total nightmare of a season. Cut your losses and move on to somebody else here. Before I do let you guys go, of course, I'm going to give you my matchup of the evening, and it's Corbin Burns and Adam Wainwright. This one is at 7.45 p.m. Eastern time. Now, personally, I probably shouldn't be watching this one because I'm in a semifinal where I have both of these guys going tonight. I'm going to start both of them because they've both been excellent the entire... Obviously, Corbin Burns is a start. Uh, it's Adam Wainwright where you might get a little more iffy there, but I'm throwing them both out there, so I'll, you know, I'll peek through the through the curtains and watch every now and again uh but i i mean i would watch this one but i just watching your own starters can be really nerve-wracking in the playoffs especially both guys facing each other uh, i think it's the best matchup we got going tonight i don't think it's particularly close either i think that's definitely the best one and i i would like to watch it and i'll watch parts of it here and there but uh sitting down and watching that entire one might be a little bit too stress inducing so Absolutely fantastic matchup. Corbin Burns, he's kind of fallen out of the Cy Young race here with these three. I mean, his last start was good, but before that, we had three really bad ones. His ERA is just a shade under three. It's probably not going to come to him at this point. I actually saw Carlos Rodon listed as the favorite for Cy Young somewhere today. Probably not going to be Corbin at this point anymore, unfortunately, but still an absolute elite pitcher. He's a lot of fun to watch always. So this one should be really good. Him going up against a top tier offense like St. Louis and Adam Wainwright on the other side. The ageless wonder at 41 years old with a 3.33 ERA, a winning record of 10 and 9 and overall still just doing a fantastic job. He's even thrown a complete game this season. So last couple starts not so great for Wainwright. So maybe this is where he's kind of start to see, like, maybe I'm going to retire. I don't know that he's actually announced it officially or not. Maybe he has, and I didn't see it. But maybe he has a couple bad starts down the stretch here, and it makes a decision for him, where he might see with his teammate Albert Pujols, he might say, oh, shit, you know, I can still hit. I'm going to play one more season. These last few starts will probably dictate that. And maybe I'm speaking out of my ass, and maybe he's already said one way or the other, and I'm not sure. But very important starts here for Adam Wainwright, whether or not you're a huge fan of his or not, one of the probably one of the last few starts he's going to make in the big. So if that is something that kind of matters to you, it kind of does to me, uh, I'm going to try and tune in as much as I can here, as much as, my, uh, much as my uneasy stomach will allow me to. Guys, that will wrap it up for us today. I really appreciate you guys continuing to check the show out, to hit the five-star button. That is very much appreciated. And to follow over on Twitter, at JoeOrico99. You guys get these shows right when they're posted. You guys, of course, get my articles and different Twitter threads. Now, I haven't been as active with the Twitter threads. I've had a lot of stuff going on in my life, so I do apologize for that. There's still going to be stuff coming out over on there. There's going to be articles. Uh, there's going to be, obviously, these podcasts every day throughout the off season, Every day throughout the entire year, there will always be a podcast here. So if you're ever craving some baseball in the offseason, maybe you're not listening so regularly, but one day, thinking about baseball, remember us, because we will be there every Monday through Friday until the end of time, hopefully. So, guys, please do uh, subscribe, five stars, all that good stuff, and we'll see you again tomorrow. Cheers, everybody.
You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.